0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu/podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, guys. The Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day, and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter and join my group. Follow me at Larry D.E.E. It's uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D.E.E. to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, seven o'clock central, eight o'clock Eastern. And join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34 seven. <coughs> What's up, guys? Hope you had a happy holiday, because uh, God knows, the Bears tried to ruin it for most of the football game, and uh, with some of their decisions, with some of the way that they were playing, blown coverages, uh, you know, not being able to stop the Seahawks from scoring after we just scored, and all that kind of stuff, but in the end, good old Nick Foles with his late-game heroics, leads the Bears to victory over the Seattle Seahawks 25-24. to And, uh, yeah, didn't see that coming. Really didn't, especially with with us being down 10 going into the fourth quarter. And any time that we scored, the Seattle Seahawks would score right back. So uh, I was for sure that when Santos kicked that field goal in the start of the fourth quarter, that the Seahawks would march right back down the field and score you know, at least a field goal of their own to negate that and extend their lead. But we shut them out in the fourth quarter. Came away with the win in a very meaningless situation. But, uh, hey, what are you going to do? We uh, that uh, You got to play the game. The Bears went out there. They put in the effort. And you know what? It is, I was happy with how they played, how they kept playing, how they kept fighting. You know, uh, you got to give credit where credit is due with with Nagy and his coaching staff. Despite the situation these guys are in, they don't quit. You know, it it, it doesn't appear that we're phoning it in uh, or anything. I know we had our moments, especially uh, back in the Cardinals game where the business decisions seemed to be taking place uh, and what have you. But, um, you know, they put in a 60-minute effort and they came away with the win uh, over the Seahawks to uh, improve our record to five and 10. Uh, as you hear me say in the knee jerk reactions tomorrow um, uh, in the deep dive review that uh, now we're winners of two of our last 10. So there's that anyway. So, but uh, let's go ahead and, and, and dive into this. I'm recording it on uh, Monday morning. Cause thankfully thanks to the Christmas holiday, I uh, had the day off today. So I, uh, didn't need to record it uh last night so i just thought hey you know get up nice and early and record the show get it out for you guys and uh yeah so here we are let's go ahead and get into it it is the week 16 bear up and bear down episode of the bears talk underground so let's get to it So when our beloved were, you know, slated to head out to the Pacific Northwest to take on uh, the Seahawks, uh, there wasn't any talk about anything to do with the weather or anything like that. Uh, It wasn't the biggest factor as far as like the outcome of the football game, but you could definitely see it uh, affecting things. And, you know, it just... uh, you know you didn't you didn't see like mistakes that were due to um due to the game you didn't see guys you know you didn't see a guy make a catch and then immediately fall to the ground uh, when he could have gotten a first down you didn't see people slipping and falling and uh, oh there was an interception because so and so uh so and so slipped coming out of his break and and things like that that so the the weather didn't dominate the football game it didn't um it didn't color the outcome, but uh, it was definitely affecting uh, the game. And you'll you hear me mention it in the knee-jerk reactions tomorrow that in the first quarter, I was saying it. at the very least, it looked to appear to slow things down a little bit. Like you weren't seeing that same burst off the ball uh, from the skill players and actually from the, from the linemen. Uh, As well, you weren't seeing guys just shooting right across the line of scrimmage and, uh, you know, the wide receivers just, you know, bursting out of their breaks and uh, and whatnot. It was it was slowing things down a little bit, almost like when we played the Cardinals a few weeks ago, how the 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 cold and rainy uh, conditions forced the Cardinals to play a different kind of football game. Uh, That really wasn't the, the 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 case here. But you could just see that maybe everybody was a half second slower than they normally would be because they couldn't make that, you know, make that burst uh, that they were, you know, nor- normally uh, used to making, especially on the field turf uh, surface that they have out there uh, in Seattle. So um, it was interesting to, to watch, you know, because the, these guys, they're professionals, and you saw them adjust to the elements and, and you know, make it do what it do uh, kind of thing as they went through the uh, ball game. And, um, it was frustrating at times to watch, but then what bears game hasn't been, uh, this year, even in a winning effort, they seem to make us want to pull our goddamn hair out half the time. But, uh, you know, in the end, uh, the fourth quarter is where all the magic happened. And, uh, the bears were able to come away, uh, with a victory, uh, in, uh, in Seattle an unexpected victory. I wouldn't necessarily call it an upset. I mean, the, the lines makers would, it was a, I think the Bears were six and a half point underdogs or something like that and ended up winning the game uh, out there uh, in Seattle. So, but, uh, you know, a four and nine team beating a five and, or excuse me, four and 10 team beating a five and nine team, that's not an upset. So that's just the NFL in week 16. So uh, we came away with the win. Uh, very happy uh, about that. It was nice to see the Bears uh, come back to. To have the late game heroics go for us instead of against us it was a nice change of pace. I mean, it's been, I know, it's been a month since we won our last game, and even that was a very yeah but victory over the Lions. So this one actually feels good. You actually enjoy this victory as opposed to how it felt after beating the Lions on literally the last play of the game to struggle as mightily as we did to only score 16 points and just barely beat the literal worst team in the NFL. So, um, at the time anyway, so, um, yeah, next week's game against the giants should be a boatload of fun. Uh, when, when, uh, I think we're both five and 10 or maybe they're four and 11 now they lost, uh, this weekend lost bad too uh there was like three three at halftime they ended up losing the game like 34 to three so they really fell apart in the second in the second half and the eagles just torched them uh but uh you know they come into soldier field for our home finale uh next week so i don't know we're, we're probably going to handle the preview quarter. Coach of that game a little bit differently this week. Um, well, number one, I haven't been able to reach our, our guest, Ryan Dunleavy, probably busy with uh, balancing work and family during this particular holiday season. So I don't think we're going to have a uh, New York Giants guy on the show this week, but I got to back up and I think you guys uh, will enjoy it. So, anyway, let's go ahead and dive into this thing. Uh, we, we've got uh, a lot of bear ups. And uh, a handful of bear downs. I don't think anybody will be surprised with my choice for most valuable bear uh, for this week. But let's go ahead and uh, dive in to the categories here. Let's start with uh, bear up. Uh, I think we'll just go back and forth uh, today. But uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, bear up, David Montgomery. Uh, I, I, and uh, actually, you know, in conjunction, I want to give a bear up, believe it or not, to Matt Nagy. And maybe Bill Lazer. I mean, I did. Did anyone hear that Lazer and uh, Chris Tabor were back? Because I never heard that either of those guys cleared protocols. And I and I kind of scoured Twitter to looking for some kind of update that those guys were back, and I never did. So I I assume Matt and uh, John D. Filippo were calling the plays because Lazer wasn't back from COVID protocols. Yet. But uh, you know, the reason I want to give a bear up to Nagy is that uh, you know, my second key to the game on uh you know in the preview episode was more David Montgomery. Now granted, the rushing results were not pretty uh on Sunday. He had forty-five yards on twenty-one carries, and the the stats are a little misleading there because we had at, at least two. 10 plus yard runs erased by penalty so he should have had at least another 20 yards tacked on uh, to his total granted that wouldn't have made the yards per average uh any m- much better uh, it was 2.1 yards a carry for this ball game but he was our leading receiver yardage wise because we finally started incorporating Montgomery into the passing game 60 61 yards on seven catches and was actually most effective on that final drive where we ended up scoring uh, the game-winning touchdown but getting him out of the backfield getting him into open space and letting Montgomery do his thing incorporating him more into the offense when he is the best offensive weapon that we have you know uh, uh, Allen Robinson was out again with uh, with COVID, and even when he's been out there, he's been grossly ineffective uh, this year. I don't know if that's because of the the Cain plan not working his way, or the, due to his lack of chemistry with Justin Fields. And well, I mean, I was kind of interested to see, you know, how it would look with Foles back out there with Robinson. That Robinson would probably be one of Foles' favorite targets uh, and whatnot. But it didn't happen. Uh, Robinson did not play. Uh, due to still being on the COVID list, like he was on Monday when for the Vikings game, but you know, uh, Montgomery was a, a favorite target of his. They targeted him nine times. He made the seven catches, sixty-one yards, and it seemed like anytime he caught one out of the backfield, he was making a really big play, uh, getting a first down, you know, that kind of thing. It was uh, especially on that last drive; he had two really good catches uh, in that one and uh, helped set the Bears up uh, in, in prime position to uh, to make that scoring. Uh, attempt there at the end. So bear up to Montgomery, bear up to Nagy for finally using David Montgomery properly. I mean, 20 carries, 21 carries. You can't argue with that. Uh, the offensive line, speaking of which, bear down to Sam Mustafer getting murdered up front all day today. Uh, or yesterday, I said, because it's Monday. But but getting murdered up front all day. And, um, it's you know, any time that there was a... Uh, a running attempt. It, w- it was very much kind of like the same it was last week with the Vikings. Any positive yardage was immediately met with some kind of negative or no gain carry and it just like went right through anytime that happened it went right through the 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 middle and it just seemed to, that Mustafer was always that guy. You you didn't you weren't hearing the announcers say what a great block from Sam Mustafer to open up that hole uh kind of thing. Not saying it didn't happen, but You know, more times than not, when when the Bears got stuffed on a running play, it was because Mustafa got beat or 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 what have you. So um, he did not play a very good football game. But Montgomery, uh, you know, who didn't get his yards in the rushing game, was able to contribute in the passing game, which is something that has been sorely missing from this offense all season long because they just have not done that enough. They have not made him enough of a priority. Uh, in getting him the football, and we see what happens. You know, he the, the running game wasn't working for him, but he was our leading receiver yardage-wise. Actually, I think he was leading receiver across the board. Yeah, seven catches was the most on the team uh, in this game. So he was able to make it happen there. You just got to get him involved, keep him involved, keep him on the field, and, you know, allow him to do what he does. He's the best player we got, so... Uh, Bear up to Montgomery for his efforts today. And uh, bear up to Nagy for finally using him the way that he should have been all along. All along. All, you know, all the games. Every single one. So, um, moving on. Uh, Bear down. Kendall Vildor. (sighs) Number one. Bear down to Matt Nagy, you know, who gets both awards today. Because, uh... You know, it, it was, what's the, what's the thing that, uh, that the kids say these days? Uh, Matt Nagy woke up today and chose violence because instead of starting Thomas Graham at corner, uh, we had Kendall Vildor and Artie Burns were our starting corners today, uh, our Sunday against the Seahawks. Uh, instead of Larry Borum, who was off the COVID list, going in at right tackle, Jermaine Afidi, Not only did Jermaine Afidi start, but he was made a captain for the game. So he started at right tackle instead uh, uh, of Larry Borum. And it was Jermaine Afidi and Tevin Jenkins uh, who started the game at tackle. Unfortunately, Jenkins went down with a shoulder injury, I believe, in the first quarter. So Larry Borum got to play most of the football game at left tackle, but he should have been starting at right tackle. It shouldn't have even been a question. Uh, who the starting right tackle of this team should have been. And, uh, you know, he put Jermaine Afidi out there instead of Larry Borum. He, he, you know, left Thomas Graham Jr. uh, on the bench, despite how he played last week against Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, it worked out. Overall, it worked out. But it just... That's where Maggie Nagy showed the priority was now versus the future, because if he was if he had the future in mind, despite his own personal situation, it was far more important to get Larry Borum out there to get him playing in a hostile environment against a good defense uh, in the Seahawks in the elements in that crowd uh, and everything. Same thing with Thomas Graham versus watching two guys on on uh, you know Kendall Vildor who. Granted, is a young guy himself, but especially in, at the very least, starting over Artie Burns, somebody who's here on a one-year contract and 99% chance will not be back next year. Same thing with Jermaine Afidi, back on a one-year contract versus the rookie that we're, starting, that we're trying to develop that will most likely be one of our starting tackles next year as well. So uh, that was the better plan as far as the future is concerned. And what was probably far more important than winning the ballgame yesterday but Nagy said in the press conference later on, he defended it by saying it's well, it's all about Sunday, so that's why Nick Foles was out there instead of trying to develop the young guy uh, that we brought up from the practice squad because Nagy valued winning more than developing the players, and maybe that's why this this thing old thing has been the mess that it's been all along. So I'm just saying, you know, Naggy Nagy came in and and basically hamstrung the team on purpose. Because he valued the veterans over the rookies, and he valued winning more than development, so uh, you know it, it was um, a bad decision on his part. But Kendallville door uh, got caught staring in the backfield. Uh, I believe it was in the third. It was the third quarter. Uh, his uh, his responsibility on that particular play should have been deep third, and instead. He got caught looking in the backfield on a play action. Gerald Everett came wide open across the formation, and Russell Wilson hit him for a wide-open touchdown that made it 24-14. to Because right after the Bears had scored a touchdown to make it 17-14, Kendall Vildor gets stuck walked looking in the background, uh, You know, leaving a dangerous uh, tight end, and, and Everett wide open across the middle of the field for a touchdown, easy touchdown uh, in, the, in the ball game. So... You know, bear down Kindleville door. Uh, maybe next year it'll be better when we when we have a healthy defense. Uh, and we can, you know, you can be a contributor as opposed to a starter and and do better things. But uh, it's been a bad year uh, for Kindleville door. And uh, just yesterday was a bad game uh, for him. He made other mistakes as well. That was the most glaring one. Speaking of mistakes, I want to give a bear up to Thomas Graham. Because... He got beat early, Um, and I don't know if that was a coverage thing. If it was, I mean, one number one, he just flat out got beat by DK Metcalf, and I don't know if it was if he was supposed to have safety help uh, over the top on that particular play or or whatever it was. But he got beat off the ball by DK Metcalf for the first touchdown for the Seahawks in the first quarter, and um, but he recovered. From that, when he was out there on the field, he had a couple of more pass breakups. He was in on some tackles, had some really nice coverages uh, in the ball game. He re- rebounded from that early mistake, and I saw someone make a comment online saying that uh, you know I I would rather have Thomas Graham get beat by DK Metcalf than watch Artie Burns getting beat and get beat. And I agree with that one hundred percent. As silly as that might sound. Because with Thomas Graham, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, it proved to be kind of a learning experience for him, something that he could learn from, something that he could rebound from, and he did. He had a good game uh, yesterday. He had a very good game, actually. Like I said, a couple more pass breakups, uh, you know, was there in coverage and, and things like that. He played a really good football game after that early hiccup and was able to help contribute the, the, of, to a Bears victory yesterday. So with with Artie Burns, it's just more evidence as to why he's a first round bust playing on his second or third uh, football team with Thomas Graham. It was something that he was there to learn from, which was the reason that he should have been starting from the beginning. But, um, you know, take it for what you will. But he rebounded nicely from that mistake, had a really good football game after uh, getting victimized by one of the better receivers uh, in the NFL uh you know, bear down to Sean Desai if it was designed for him to be one on one on the on the edge or bear down to Eddie Jackson for not being there to help uh over the top so you know whichever situation it is if it was just one on one that's a bad call by uh by um Sean Desai to leave your uh, rookie cornerback out there on an island with one of the better receivers in the league but uh you know or it's bear down Eddie Jackson for not getting there uh, on time uh, to help over the top. So either way, bear up to Thomas Graham for uh, for being able to get the job done uh, in that situation or rebounding from that situation to get the job done in the ball game. So speaking of rookie six round picks, bear up up to Khalil Herbert. Now his his stats were not sexy. Uh, two carries for twenty one yards, which means that his other carry in the ball game outside of his 20yard touchdown was for one yard but he had that touchdown uh, in the uh, in the third quarter that made it 17 uh, to 14 uh, that actually you know credit where credit is due the offensive line blocked that one beautifully I mean beautifully there were just wide open lanes for Herbert to run in so a great play call great execution from the guys a walk-in touchdown for Herbert. I mean, he literally was untouched, ran through wide open uh lanes to get that touchdown at a very important uh point in the ball game because we had already struggled scoring in the red zone um you know early before in the first quarter. That five four shots from inside the 5-yard line, the play calling on that drive was just atrocious uh you know, once we got inside the red zone that is which is, uh, you know, typical for us. But, uh, you know, for Herbert to be able to, uh, you know, to, for the, just execute bang, 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 just walked right into the end zone is a beautiful thing. And and Herbert has actually been returning very well. well he's been our kickoff returner and making plays on special teams uh, as well. So bear up uh, to him. Uh, bear down Jermaine DeFede. He was getting whooped all day long uh, off the edge. He did not play a good football game at right tackle, and had this weird moment with David Montgomery in the first half when we scored our first touchdown. Montgomery, you know, dives in from about a yard out uh, or so and is laying in the end zone trying to make a snow angel while Jermaine Afidi is grabbing him by the shoulder pads trying to pull him off of the ground. So I don't know if he was having another Tevin Jenkins moment trying to tell Montgomery to stop messing around or, you know, get us a taunting penalty or something, or if he was just, like, in a, in a jubilant way trying to pick up Montgomery off of the ground. I can't tell because, you know, you saw him attack one of his own players uh, on the field, uh, you know, on Monday Night Football after the little shoving fracas uh, from Jenkins, and uh, so you don't know. But it's like everybody seemed to notice it. The, the memes were all over... Or the clips were all over Twitter uh, yesterday after the game. Like, dude, what is the deal with Jermaine Fede? Uh Somebody asked him, is Jermaine Raffiti the fun police uh, or something? But he had a ball, uh, you know, didn't have a very good ball game. And he also contributed to that moment, whatever the hell it was, you know, just, I don't know what that was. But um, anyway, um, so it, it just, it was a weird moment for Raffiti. Uh, was not playing well uh, in the uh, in the ball game. Shouldn't have been playing. Period. To be honest, I mean, he probably would have ended up playing because of the uh, injury to Jenkins, but he sure, certainly shouldn't have been starting. And, and Nagy with his rotating captains, which is something I've never liked. Uh, I didn't like it when Tressman did it, but you know, consider the source there. If the two of them are on the same page as far as the captains and whatnot are concerned, that speaks to a much larger problem. Uh, than that, but uh, yeah, I I don't know who our special teams guy was, but it was Afidi on offense, Bruce Irvin on defense were our captains. Bruce Irvin's the guy we signed to the practice squad three weeks ago. He's a captain? Okay. Why? Because Afidi and Irvin both played for the Seahawks at one point, so sure, but uh, that's why. If that's the rationale, I don't get it. I really don't, but What are you going to do? It's Matt Nagy and he's on his way out the door. What the hell does it matter? So, but uh, anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll finish the rest of the uh, list. Get this thing wrapped up. (laughs) This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, come through and talk to me live on Club 347. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 PM central, eight o'clock Eastern. You can join me on the Spotify green room for club 34, seven, come in, let's have a conversation. Let's talk bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify green room, anywhere you get your apps. (laughs) All right, wrapping up our list. We actually have four more bear ups left to give. Uh, In this one, only one bear down, though. I'm going to save that one. But uh, bear up Robert Quinn. Uh, He was going up against one of the top left tackles in the league in Dwayne Brown. So uh, even though the Seahawks themselves as a team haven't been very good at protecting Russell Wilson, Dwayne Brown is one of the better tackles you could ask for. And uh, he was able to protect Russell Wilson for the most part until... Uh, and it was a total effort sack, too. So credit goes to the secondary for for doing their job as well because there was no one for Wilson to throw the football to. But total effort. It was one of those where Quinn basically ran himself in a circle, came all the way around the edge, and then back around again behind Wilson, came back after him, and was able to get the sack. And it was a key sack, too. It was the one that led to the field goal that if if the guy makes it, that wins Seattle the game. That would have given them twenty seven points. They were up twenty four to fourteen, I believe, at the time, and it would have given them the uh, victory. And or actually, I think it was 27-17 at that point. Twenty four to seventeen at that point, I think it was, and um, it, it knocks them back. I mean, it was still only a thirty nine yard field goal, but it it makes it 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 was a a big loss, like thirteen yards, something like that, uh, on the sack, and and made it a thirty nine yard attempt instead of a chip shot from like 26, which is less than an extra point these days. and the guy hooked it wide wide left uh, and that basically won us the football game because he missed that that field goal. That was the opportunity that uh, that the Seahawks let get away uh, on that one. and it was Robert Quinn's 17th sack of the season that got it. So even going up against one of the best left tackles uh, in football, he was still able to make his mark and get a very big sack. Uh, at a very key point uh, in the ballgame, what ended up contributing to the outcome of the game as well. Uh, Robert Quinn only half a sack now behind Richard Dent's uh, 17-and-a-half franchise uh, record back from 84. Ties the second best uh, with Dent, had 17-and-85 the year that we won the Super Bowl, and um, if he breaks it next week against the Giants, which I don't anticipate being a problem because they don't have a Dwayne Brown on that roster, but – if he gets a sack, maybe two, he would have done it in 16 games like Dent did. As a matter of fact, um, Robert Quinn missed at least one or two games with COVID. I know he missed one. He missed one for sure. I think he missed the, uh, the Tampa Bay game for sure. So, I mean, if you want to be technical about it, he's still got at least one more game to say I got the record in the same amount of games that Richard Dent did. But, uh, you know, but if he does it next week, he would have done it in 16 games. Um, and, uh, I mean, granted, it'll be a record either way if he, if he pulls it off, whether it's next week against the Giants or the week after against the Vikings again. Um, he'll have a chance to, to do it. I just think it would be looked upon as more of a legit record if he did it in 16 games as opposed to needing the extra game. Uh, to pull it off. Because we're going to see a lot of records get broken by this extra week uh, uh, of play. Uh, that's going to allow, you know, probably see a couple more 5,000-yard seasons and things like that with the extra game uh, out there. Maybe see some reception records getting broken because there's an extra game to to add to the pad list and things like that. But, uh, you know, if, if uh, Quinn can do it next Sunday uh, against the Giants, that would be ideal for me personally. I'm not saying that... You know, we would you know turn our noses up at the record if he if he got it against Minnesota the week after. But uh, I think that that would also be kind of like a, a reason that not to put like an asterisk on it. Like maybe if he ends up getting a couple more against Minnesota, or or breaks Strahan's record, you know, goes nuts in the next couple games and and breaks Strahan's record, which is I think twenty two or twenty two and a half something like that. So he'd have to get like six sacks in the next two games. Not impossible for him, but you know probably not going to happen but uh you know then, the, you know whatever but uh if he gets a, at least if he gets one sack next week against the giants he's the uh the single season sack leader for the Chicago Bears which is a, a hell of a thing to say considering some of the guys that are on that list so and i saw the list the other day like 6 of the 10 people on that list are richard tent so richard got after the passer man he was a beast uh, when he played for us. So bear up to Robert Quinn getting that sack, especially for when he got it. Uh, he picked a hell of a time to get the one uh, on Sunday. Uh, bear up Darnell Mooney. Uh, I've given Darnell quite a bit of shit over the last, uh, well, five, six weeks or whatever. Difficulty catching passes and, you know, letting stuff slip through his fingers, bounce off his hands, some resulting in interceptions and whatnot. But uh, he put in a hell of an effort yesterday. Uh, Mooney was the top wide receiver uh, yesterday, five catches, 57 yards, but it was the catch that he made on the game-winning drive that really, really won me over for the day. I mean, he had some really nice, like, slant catches and, uh, you know, caught some first downs uh, from Nick Foles, but it was that catch, first play of the drive. We've got 256 and two timeouts. We're down by seven. First throw out of the gate. he makes a. a it was a, a good gain to begin with. I think at least 15 yards. But Mooney, who is all of 5'11 and 170 pounds, just keeps fighting, just keeps digging, breaks this tackle, keeps pulling away, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we go from our own 20 to the midfield, to 50. It was a 30-yard gain uh, on that play. And then on top of it, there was the unnecessary roughness, the roughing the passer call uh, on the Seahawks, which meant we went from the 20, our 20, to their 35 in one play on the biggest drive of the football game. But we wouldn't have gotten that far if not for the effort of Darna Mooney. Because if he caught that ball and goes immediately to the ground, then, you know, maybe the penalty gets us to midfield afterwards. Maybe it gets us to midfield. But Mooney himself dug and scratched and clawed and fought his tiny little body to midfield. You know, he fought for, he probably fought for more than he actually got on the catch. As far as like yards after the catch, he probably got more yards after the catch than after he, than the yardage he got initially. It was an outstanding, outstanding effort that he made uh, on that play to get us to midfield. And it really drove uh, the bears uh, on that. I mean, just seeing the effort would have, would have gotten, you know, should have gotten you hyped up. I mean, look at what the smallest guy on the team, uh, because Jakeem Grant wasn't playing, but the smallest guy on the team is showing that kind of heart and that effort that he's dragging defenders 15 yards to get us to midfield. You tell me he doesn't want to win this football game. Outstanding job by uh, Darnell Mooney. And uh, actually, I have two more. Uh, uh, bear up Jimmy Graham. Uh, made a couple of catches in the ball game, but made the most important one uh, of the day, uh, at the end of the ball game, making a uh, doing what Jimmy Graham does, and he did it in Seattle, one of his former NFL homes. Uh, Foles threw it up on third and fourteen at, a, at about a minute to go in the game. Throws it up for six foot seven Jimmy Graham. He wins the jump ball in double coverage, comes down with it for the uh, for what uh, was the game winning uh, touchdown. Gave us a twenty four to twenty three uh, deficit at that point. But that's what we signed Jimmy Graham to do. We haven't gotten him to do it enough this year. But, uh, you know, he led the team in touchdowns last year because of that moment right there. He had, I think, nine of those last season. I think this is only like his second touchdown uh, of the year uh, where he's been able to do something like that uh, for us. So... Uh, you know, he came up big when we needed him to in a situation where pretty much every knew, everyone knew where the ball was going because Jimmy Graham was lined up wide. He ran into the end zone, threw his hands up. Foles put it up there. He jumps up. He comes down with it, wins the jump ball, gets us on the board, and uh, sets it up for the two-point conversion, uh, which there's the other reason that, bear, that Nagy gets the bear down. He was the Nagy that we thought we were getting yesterday. He thought when we got Nagy, he was talking about how aggressive he was going to be and how aggressive he was in the beginning as the head coach and how soft and conservative and, and everything he's gotten uh, with his play calling. He went for two. He's like, "The hell with this. I'm not going to overtime. We're not going to give Seattle a chance to win this thing uh, in OT or, or whatever. We're going for two. We're going to either win or we're going to lose right here. He makes the play. And then bear up Demir Bird. Who's probably made the best catch I've seen all season, uh, at least for the Bears, uh anyway. Uh Foles hangs it up there. Uh Demir Bird comes down with it, uh, also in traffic and double, maybe even triple coverage and gets a foot down, gets the knee down and before the left foot touches. Uh, and also uh it just it's one of those plays where I guess it was just meant to be, because the knee touched before the hand to brace himself touched out of bounds and has has control of the ball. He made the catch with two hands, but he went to the ground with only one hand holding the football and was able to maintain control as he goes to the ground. Three guys landing on top of him and all that kind of stuff to get the two-pointer to get the game-winning two-point conversion uh, and uh, set the Bears up for the uh, victory. And it was, you know... One of the best, I mean, just all the effort that we saw on that last drive was was outstanding. You know, bear up to the entire offense uh, for that. And um, finally, uh, bear up to Nick Foles, who is our most valuable bear this week. I don't think that would surprise anybody. Uh, Foles was uh, fairly efficient, 24 of 35, 250 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions, although he did fumble the ball at least one no it was twice actually well the st- the first one was ruled incomplete then it was reversed uh by the officials as a fumble then it was reviewed and they showed that they said the ball was going forward so it actually was re-reversed to an incomplete pass but on that final drive a couple of plays before the touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham um Carlos Dunlap strip-sacked Foles. And uh, Jermaine Afidi, I believe, fell on the ball to save it for the Bears. So there's the one thing that Afidi did, because he was the one that Carlos Dunlap beat on the play, so it was the least he could do. You recover the sack, and then you help your quarterback off the ground, you useless bastard. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, uh, but, uh, you know, just before, I mean, it, it almost didn't happen. Because of the strip sack by Carlos Dunlap just a couple of plays before, but thankfully Jermaine ifiti was able to, what you know was trailing behind the guy that whipped his ass off the corner, so he was able to be there first when the ball hit the ground. Thankfully, um, but uh, Foles played an outstanding game, showed his you know veteran uh, poise and leadership to uh, help the Bears uh, get a victory, and. Um, you know, was our most valuable player. And then I loved what he said afterwards uh, as well. Someone was asking him about his comments uh, against the Browns, believe it or not. Week three, you could see him uh, kind of um, talking. You could read his lips to say uh, to Dalton during that disaster of a football game, the offense just isn't working right now. And Foles is like, yeah, because the offense wasn't working that day. And then the, the, the reporter backed it up and said, well, why do you think that that's been, you know, why the offense hasn't been working, you know, this season? You could tell he wanted to say more, but the savvy veteran that he is, all he said was, "That's not for me to say." <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not taking on that storm. No, thank you. Not for me to say. I got good teammates. We're gonna get the job done. See if we can't win a game next week against the Giants, kind of thing. So, um, but he played it. Uh, he played a very good game. Uh, when I heard Foles was starting, it was the disappointment wasn't that Foles was starting; it was that Justin Fields wasn't. You know, I want to see Justin Fields play. I wanted to see him go up against Russell Wilson uh, yesterday. That was far more interesting of a matchup than than uh, than you know Foles against uh, Fields, or excuse me, Foles against Wilson uh, in that uh, in that ball game. But um, you know, he was uh, he was solid yesterday. And uh, helped the Bears win the ball game. Made the made the biggest throws at the biggest time at the best you know the most important time. That throw on target to Mooney to set up the big gain. The throw to uh, Graham put it in just the right spot for Graham to win the jump ball. And then uh, you know the throw to Bird as well was was a pretty awesome throw uh, as well. And then finally our final bear down goes to Bruce Irvin. And wait till you hear the knee-jerk reaction tomorrow. You actually get to hear me process how it makes sense that it didn't give the ball back to Seattle. Because that was my, like, I was freaking out. Because here we are, it's fourth and six for the Seahawks. Oh, by the way, actually, I want to add one more bear up. Bear up to Roquan Smith. Because of this moment in the ballgame, it was third and sixteen. Um, I believe it was Metcalf or maybe even Tyler, it was Tyler Lockett's who it was, catches the pass out on the, out on the wing and was wide open for something. So there was some kind of busted coverage along there. Roquan Smith runs him down, runs him down, tackles him a yard short of the uh, of the first down. So now it's fourth and one. There was an uh, a false start penalty on the Seahawks to make it fourth and six to set up the final situation. If Roquan doesn't put in the effort if Roquan doesn't make that tackle this final moment probably doesn't happen at the very least when it does cuz the, there were still like 40 something seconds still to go in the, like 30 no 20 seconds to go in the game the Seahawks had still had some time to make some plays and they had two timeouts so bear up to Roquan for his effort on that play if he wasn't uh if he was phoning it in he lets Lockett get the first down before he runs out of bounds, but instead he makes that tackle, stops him short, and that sets up the final moment after the false start on fourth and six. Bruce Irvin makes the play. He gets to uh, Russell, uh, Russell, I was going to say Russell Fields, <laughs> Russell Wilson, uh, who makes an errant throw that lands innocently to the ground. And, you know, the Bears hold turnover on downs. We win the ballgame. Here comes the flag because Bruce Irvin thought it would be a good idea to talk trash to the Seattle Seahawks sideline. Called for taunting. However, because it was a, A, it's a dead ball foul, so it didn't affect the play itself. It ended up, you know, penalizing the Bears' offense for 15 yards as opposed to what happened to Cassius Marsh against the Steelers. In that bogus Monday night game. And you'll hear me process it in the knee jerk reaction. It's like it was a dead ball foul. Why did it affect why is it the Bears keep the ball on this one, but they couldn't on that one because it was because it was going to be fourth down, the penalty against the Bears gave the Steelers a first down. So yeah. Cause I was I was absolutely beside myself livid. Did this asshole just give the game back? You know, not only was it a penalty that keeps Seattle with the football, but that 15 yards would have been huge. I think it very well would have put them in field goal range for a long field goal, but like I said, they also still had at least one timeout. They had 20 seconds left on the clock. They could have gotten some more yardage to get closer for a game-winning field goal. I mean, I was absolutely beside myself in that moment until the referee was like, yeah, the 15 yard will be assessed against the bears. It's Chicago's balls. Like it's Chicago's ball. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. Why not? Cause it was a dead ball foul. So it doesn't affect the outcome of the play. And it gave the bears, you know, so instead of, uh, you know, having the ball at like the 30, it was, uh, uh, you know, we had the ball in midfield or something like that. So yeah, but Bruce Irvin, who was a captain yesterday, by the way, great call Nagy. Uh, bear down dude what the hell you really just gift rapid free roll team like that unbelievable so anyway guys that is going to do it for this bear up bear down for week number 16 come back tomorrow on Tuesday for the deep dive review we'll have knee jerk reactions I did keep notes this time so I'll have a better recollection of the game itself and how it all went down Uh, we'll talk about all of that and uh close the book on week 16 get ready for week 17 and the Giants the home finale for our beloved Chicago Bears so come on back tomorrow for the deep dive review and until then my name is Larry D and this has been Bears Talk Underground